David Sparks and Mike Schmitz spent their careers working for the establishment. Now they've had enough. They've rebelled against the status quo and are now seeking success on their terms. They are free agents. Welcome back to Free Agents, a podcast about being an independent worker in a digital age. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Mike Schmitz. Hi, Mike. Hey, David. How's it going? Doing great and happy to be talking free agents again. Um, uh, A few notes before we get started, however. Mike has a new thing. I do. Yeah. So I've been working for the last couple of years on a project which has been accelerated the last couple months based on some circumstances, which we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode. But it's kind of the intersection of all of the things for me, and it is called Faith-Based Productivity. The subtitle is Connect to Your Calling, Discover Your Destiny, Live a Life You Were Created For. And this is really the message that resonated in my heart as I was going through my own Bible college experience, teaching the personal management class, doing a whole bunch of study online with productivity, eventually getting hooked up to the Asian efficiency team. Uh, It's kind of like the spiritual why behind all the productivity things. So I want to make that explicit at the beginning. I don't want anybody to feel duped. It is definitely a Christian approach to productivity, but it is a video course, which is going to have a whole bunch of exercises and a workbook that goes along with it. My brother has helped me with it. He's a top-notch audio and video guy, and uh, I'm really excited to see this thing uh, get out there. I've got a a special pre-order discount, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, right now. So in addition to the course at a discount, you get the uh, personal retreat course. We've talked a little bit about that on this podcast, David. I decided that I would take basically all the advice that I gave you via text message and turn it into a video course. There you <laughs> so go. You'll, so you'll get that too. And then a, <laughs> a couple coaching calls with me, which I've done a little bit of in the in the past with Asian Efficiency. Well, I think this is great. And, I, you know, Mike's had some changes in his life. And I think this is an, a great example of how a free agent works that, you know, sometimes certain things shut down and then you pick up on other things. And uh, I really feel like, Mike, this is going to be great for you. And I can't wait to see this get released. Um, something much more mundane is by the time this show releases, I will have a new field guide. Uh, but this is a fun one. It's just called the Gift Wrap Field Guide because we talk about gift wrapping on Mac Power Users so much. I thought just for giggles, I'd show you guys how I wrap a present and my favorite tools to do that. That's right. I'm super geeky about wrapping holiday gifts. Uh, this is a free field guide. No, no cost. Just go to learn.maxsparky.com and check it out. I've heard this teased. I, I am probably disproportionately excited to see this. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I feel like it's almost like a Zen thing. I really love wrapping presents. And, um, you know, my daughter and I have this ritual. Usually we watch a Star Wars movie or one of the Doctor Who Christmas specials, and we sit there and wrap presents. And I just like to get them perfect. And everybody thinks I'm a weirdo for it. So I thought, well... Let's just let's just push the gas down on that a little bit more. And uh, I, I've got some really cool um, tools I use because I don't like any tape on the outside of my present. I don't like any seams. Um, I bring a woodworker's mentality to wrapping gifts. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so um, uh, it's a free it's a free guide. Just go get it if you want it and um, and have fun and happy holidays because I know we're going to be right in the middle of the season as this show comes out. Right. Um, also, uh, don't forget over at talk.mac, I'm sorry, talk.macpowerusers.com. We've got a section in there for the free agents and it's very active and we'd love to have you join the conversation there. Yeah. There's some great conversation that's happening in that forum. Just in the, the last couple of days, there's been some pretty active discussion and some pretty deep topics. So, uh, I, I'm really excited every time I go in there to see the quality of the community that's been built up at that site. It's amazing the the people that listen to this show and are a part of that free agents forum. Yeah, yeah. The um. So, uh, what are we uh, going to talk about this uh, month, Mike? The free agent survival skill for this month, I figured, might be kind of cool to talk about the morning routine. And as I mentioned, I've had some changes in my life, which you gave me some advice and said this is a great opportunity for you to rethink your routines. And so I did that. I went back to the drawing board and I I thought about what are the things that are a part of my morning routine and what are the things that I really want to become a part of my morning routine. 
if I were going to go back and design my ideal day, what would it really look like? And uh, so, yeah, that's the inspiration behind this topic. Uh, Basic information, I guess you need to know before we dive into the specifics. This morning routine, these are the things that you would do before work traditionally that make your work better. And there was a, a great example of this in the as we're recording this, uh, one of the more recent Mac Power Users episodes where you interviewed the, the productive woman. And she talked about basically if the, the morning routine gets thrown off, then everything that comes after that kind of suffers. And when you recognize that that happens, that's kind of a turning point for a lot of people in terms of their their productivity and the quality of the stuff that they're able to, to get done. Because you don't necessarily connect what you do as soon as you get up with what you're going to be doing at two o'clock in the afternoon, but it really does have a big impact. Yeah. This is something I've really embraced the last few years of having like a morning routine. I also have an evening routine. Maybe at some point we'll get to that as well, but uh, I call it the startup, you know, just getting my day started up. And um, there's a lot of different kind of approaches to this, uh, but we thought maybe one of the easiest ways to cover it in today's show would be just kind of talk through how we're doing it and uh, and why we think it's important. Yeah, and this is different than we had talked earlier about eating your frog and doing the most important task at the beginning of your day. This would come even before eating your frog. If all you did was roll out of bed and instantly start working on your most important task, Speaking from my own personal experience, that's kind of a recipe for feeling overwhelmed and like you can never get caught up. You never can disconnect. You never feel like you have any sort of distance from the work that you're doing. And it's it's easy to find yourself resenting the work that you're doing if you fall into that. So the morning routine is kind of the things that would fall into the important but not urgent section of that Eisenhower matrix. The things that if you don't pay attention to them and prioritize them, would typically fall through the cracks. So this could be something like going to the gym, but there are also some uh, additional things that I would argue you should think about incorporating into your morning routine. But ultimately, this morning routine, whatever activities you select to be a part of this, this is going to kind of be like priming the pump for making the rest of the day as effective as it can be. And you have to be really careful about what you allow to become part of your morning routine. Yeah. And you want to strike the balance between getting yourself started, but also getting on with the day. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great to say, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to add this thing. And I heard about this crazy life hack over here. So I'm going to add that. And pretty soon your morning routine now is three hours. And when that happens, you're not going to be doing any of it. Pretty soon you're not you're not doing the things that are the most important things like Uh, Just my morning routine, I'll use as an example, uh, as I'm going back and I'm redesigning this thing. uh, Number one thing I want to do, I want to make sure that I read my Bible and I pray first thing in the morning. I want to make sure that I stretch. Uh, I had an injury when I ran my my half marathon last spring. And so I've got to do some, some stretches to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Uh, meditation, reviewing my my daily plan. And uh, one of the things I identified I wanted to add was I want to drink 24 ounces of water when I wake up because that kind of gets your your body uh, awake and, and moving in the right direction. You feel more alert uh, because you're pretty dehydrated when you first wake up in the morning. But the, if I were to add, also go for a run and also cook breakfast and do all of these other things, uh, pretty soon my morning routine is so long that I'm not going to have time to get to those things. And so if I start compromising on one of them, pretty soon you've compromised on all of them and you're not doing anything anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting for me because to me, I have um, some distinctions, I guess I would say morning habits versus a morning routine. Um, When I first started doing this, I had things that I wanted to do every day. You know, I wanted to take there where I live. It's a very easy two mile hike that kind of goes up and down. You know, it's got a lot of climb to it. It's great for your heart rate. And I, I wanted to start doing that more regularly. And I've, I do it so often that now it's it. I'm not even sure I consider it part of the routine. It's just something I do every day. But um, but for me, the the morning routine really works hand in hand with my idea of time blocking my morning. Um. You want to just walk through your routine, Mike, and then I'll share mine. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the the two hour hike. And I like that distinction between the morning routine and the and the the habits based on on time blocking. That's an important point. 
and why you won't see exercise as part of mine. So we should come back and revisit that in a second. Yeah. Um, but I, I flew through mine pretty quickly. So I'll, I'll run through it item by item. So first thing, when I wake up in the morning, I want to make sure that I'm drinking that 24 ounces of water, like I mentioned, because that's going to allow my body to get to get where it needs to be focused. I'm able to to think clearly about things as quickly as possible. You wake up after sleeping all night and you're usually pretty de- dehydrated. Uh, from there, I am part of a group Bible reading plan. We use the Bible app on our phone. So the guys at my church, we have a, a group plan and, and I'll read that. I'll comment on that. So you get the little check mark next to your face and everybody knows that you did it, the accountability. Uh, then I've got my own private prayer time. Uh, I'll do some meditation to help me focus. I'll do some stretching. I've actually got an inversion table now, which is something that I, my wife got for a, got me, got as a birthday gift for me a couple years ago because I had some, some back issues. I had some, some pain with the sciatic nerve and, and the inversion table really helps. So uh, that's another thing that I want to add into my daily routine. And then at the very end, of my morning routine, the last thing I'll do before I sit down to do the work is I'll review the daily plan that I had outlined the day before. And that is using that template that I created, which just basically breaks down all the things that I plan to do based on the, the hour that I want to do them in, um, rewriting a couple of my, my goals for the quarter, and then listing out my most important tasks, which is an analog reproduction of what is in OmniFocus. And some people maybe are listening to this, they caught that and they're like, well, why would you create it twice? I find having this one page thing that I create that again, the night before usually takes about five to 10 minutes. And then that's on my desk, on my desk, right in front of my face as I'm working all day, the next day, that's really helpful. And so I'll review that before I sit down to, uh, to work. And then in terms of time, like when do you start this and about what time are you like in the saddle doing work? Well, like I said, this is kind of in flux and I've added a few things to this, which honestly, I've not been consistent in doing <laughs> lately. So I'll, I guess the ideal time would be that I would wake up at 6 a.m., hit this routine, and then all of these things I know I can get done easily within an hour. So by 7 a.m., ideally, I am ready to hit the ground running in terms of my workday. Does that always happen? No. As we were talking about before we hit the, the red record button, a lot of this is figuring out where you went wrong and trying to fix it for next time. <laughs> so that's kind of where I think I, I am right now. Uh, but also, I would say that it's valuable to create like a shorter version of this for if you're traveling or you do sleep late, whatever, you don't have as much time as you normally do. Having an abbreviated morning routine where these are like the, the essentials, the things that you absolutely have to do. Uh, that can be valuable too. So the things that I will make sure that I do no matter what are going to be the uh, the Bible reading and the and the prayer uh, prayer time. Uh, the reviewing daily plan, if it's done the night before, that's another thing that I absolutely will not miss. But I have to confess, there have been times when I'm tired and I just don't take the time to plan my day the night before. For the most part, I'm pretty good with it though. Yeah, see, that's, I mean, and that to me kind of spills over into some of the stuff I do in the evening in terms of preparation for the next day. I, and, and I know there's kind of two schools of thought on this. A lot of people like to plan their day in the morning. Uh, to me, I like to plan it at night. And, and one of the reasons why is I feel like I'm at night, I'm more realistic about what I can get done the next day than I am in the morning. In the morning, I'm yeah. always way too optimistic. <laughs> but, um, Anyway, um, I, I'm with like you, and, and this is always in motion for me. And I think it's one of the great things about being a free agent is that I have so much more control over this stuff now. When I was working for the man, I mean, I, a lot of my morning routine was getting, you know, to the office and dealing with the initial office thing. You know, when you work in an office with a lot of people, everybody wants to talk in the morning and have that while they're having their coffee, they want to do whatever. And it always felt to me like it was like nine 30, even if I showed up at eight or seven 30, it was like nine 30 before I was actually able to start work. So uh, to me, a big part of the morning routine is getting things rolling early. So, and, and this is always kind of in motion for me, like I said, but the right now, as it stands, my perfect morning uh, routine is actually, I have a, um, whatever's bugging me, you know, you always have something that's bugging you, whether it's a, in my case, it might be a specific contract for a client or a 
blog post I want to get done or even, you know, some screencast editing or whatever. But I usually use that first hour. So like from six to seven to deal with whatever's bugging me. So I don't, I don't, you know, this is kind of the opposite of a morning routine in some, in some way, but it is my routine is I, 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 I eat a frog first thing, wake up, just get up and eat a frog. And then, um, I think I got this from you, Mike, or, or one of the many books I read on your recommendation. But once I get through an hour of work, it feels great knowing that, hey, you know what? No matter what happens today, I got a good hour of work in. And then I have um, a little notebook I write down every morning something I'm thankful for, you know, whatever it is. This morning, it was the fall weather. We finally have fall weather in California. Um, and then then I um, the routine is I, I put on my hiking clothes and I go for a hike. You know, it's like a two mile hike. It takes about 40 minutes and, you know, fills my rings, gives me a chance to just to kind of take a walk. And in a perfect world, I don't listen to podcasts. I just take a walk and just kind of let my mind drift and then um, come back, shower, do some meditation. And then I go back to the, um, the pile of work. And then, so I, um, I usually try to put another hour of solid work in, and then I have, a block every morning around 10 o'clock called startup where I go through all the email and try and get some time into the forums and whatever other, you know, kind of busy work stuff I, I have to do, but in a perfect world, that stuff doesn't get blocked until 10. So between the time I wake up and the time I get to actually opening email, I've had a couple hours of solid work and kind of the morning routine run. And the way I do that is I use in series shortcuts, I have a thing called the daily list and I just push button and it creates all those events for me. And boy, when I can do that, it sure is a, a good day usually. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's interesting because my approach I think is a little bit different than yours, but uh, I'm sure that that's partly due to the different circumstances. Yeah, my so kids I've aren't got, little anymore. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I've got five kids at home who are going to be up by seven a.m. And once they get up, who knows what happens? Uh, and for me, the things that I absolutely want to make sure that I do are the little things for my own personal well-being that I can easily, if I'm not careful and I don't protect that time and I don't create that regular time for them to happen, that I will quickly forget about. I'm not going to forget about the the thing that has a, a deadline or the thing that is important, my frog. You know, when it's time for me to sit down and work, whatever time that work happens to be, I'm pretty good at just entering into that, that state of work and I'm able to focus on that thing and crank it out. But I'm not so good at protecting the golden goose. <laughs> and so those are the things that I make sure that I, I prioritize on my, my morning routine, which is probably the traditional way that a lot of people think of of morning routines just based on some of the stuff that's been written out there like yeah, one book I'm in particular ball. yeah yeah and that's but that's okay and that's really the the really cool thing i think about this stuff is that you can find somebody who teaches this system and this is absolutely the thing that works for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you at all but that doesn't mean that there's no value in it either there's some principles that you can glean and you can apply them to fit your specific situation. So I think that's really cool that you're doing that. I will throw out there for people who are interested, the book that kind of got me going on this whole idea was The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. He was a young guy who got in a major car accident, almost died, and had to create a morning routine of self-care stuff that allowed him to become functioning uh, a functioning adult again. And uh, he credits this morning routine with completely saving his his life. Uh, you can read the book; it's pretty short. If you want more more information, but he'll he'll give you some uh, example categories. He's got this savers, uh, uh, not algorithm. What's the word I'm looking for? Like the uh, the S means something, the A means something, you know. And, and it's and I can't remember exactly what they <laughs> what they it's represent an because acronym, yeah, right. an acronym, acronym. Yeah. There we go. Uh, and like I said, I've, I've modified it to the point where I don't remember what they, the things were, but just a couple of ideas for people who want to start thinking about what are the things that I could do from a personal self-care perspective to add to my morning routine. A couple of them we mentioned, uh, silence, prayer, or meditation. 
uh, reading or inspiration. I know a lot of people, whether they're reading the Bible or a sacred scripture or whatever, uh, even if it's just a motivational book, having a little bit of time in the morning where they read, that kind of inspires them and gets them motivated to go through the rest of their day. I know people who do affirmations or visualizations. So those, those statements that you repeat out loud, the Stuart Smiley, you know, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me sort of a thing. <laughs> but they actually work. You say it long enough and you start to believe that stuff. I think the AM thanks thing I do, it really helps set me right as the morning starts every day. Yeah, gratitude is another great example. Uh, that's something that I incorporate into my evening routine. So you could make the argument, yeah, I should incorporate it into the morning routine too, but that's just the where I've chosen to, to draw the line on the, the number of things I'm going to add there. Uh, and then you mentioned exercise, stretching, or yoga. This is something that is not on my routine because I like to use this going back to the time blocking thing that you mentioned earlier. I time block my day. And I know that if I'm going to sit down and write at the end of the morning, for example, for a couple of hours, I'm going to feel pretty drained uh, by the time I get done. And so I've got a gym, which is only a couple of a couple minutes from my house and I will go to the gym in the middle of the day because I find when I go, it gives me more energy for the afternoon. It's kind of a, a physical reset where typically the afternoon I've eaten lunch. That's, that's the point where a lot of people crash. If I go to the gym, uh, I can actually overcome that. And I, I find I have more than enough energy to get me through the, the rest of my workday when I'm able to, to put it in that early afternoon slot in my, my day. And I think that the good news for all this is if you're a free agent, you've got the ability to do what works for you and and put this on your radar and start experimenting with it. Like I said, I don't feel like my morning routine is anywhere near done. It's always kind of in flux. Yep, it's an evolution. And the the key takeaway here is to put yourself in the best position to succeed for the rest of your day take whatever is important to you and make it a part of that morning routine. I forget who said it, but I heard a saying one time that if everything's a priority, then that just means nothing is. Well, this is your chance to identify what are the things that really are a priority in your life. And then if you set aside a little bit of time at the beginning of your day, typically an, an hour is more than enough, uh, then you can make sure that you're doing the things that are moving you to where you want to end up whether that be personally, professionally, relationally, whatever. You know, you can select the activities for your morning routine, which are going to create the habits that are going to take you to the to the place you want to end up. So, uh, Mike, you know there's a great place you could share your morning routine. Yes, there is. <laughs> the Free Agent Forum. So, yeah, yeah that's a great idea. Have people, uh, we'd love to hear what you've incorporated into your morning routine. Like I said, mine's kind of in a state of flux right now. So if you have any suggestions, I'd be happy to look at them. This episode of Free Agents is brought to you by FreshBooks. Everyone likes to save time, but it is especially important when you are a free agent or a freelancer. And our friends at FreshBooks can save you a ton of time, up to 192 hours, with their super simple cloud accounting software for freelancers and free agents. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. One of the things I like about FreshBooks is the notification center. It's kind of like your personal assistant. You always know what's changed in your business since you last logged in because it shows you what needs to be dealt with pronto. And there's a new projects feature which allows you to share files and messages with your clients, contractors, and employees. This makes it a lot easier and a lot quicker to get things done when all of your conversations live in one place. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash free agents, one word, and enter free agents, two words, in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash free agents, one word, and enter free agents, two words in the how did you hear about us section. We thank FreshBooks for their support of free agents and Relay FM. All right. So as we've alluded to, I have a little bit of an announcement to make. You certainly do. <laughs> My work situation has changed. And as I put in the show notes for this episode, I am a free agent for reals. <laughs> Uh, the official statement is that 
Asian efficiency is going in a different direction and my position is no longer a part of future plans. I don't really want to get into the specifics more than that, but the short version is that I am no longer with Asian efficiency. I am no longer the host of the productivity show. I no longer coordinate the blog content for Asian efficiency, which puts me in kind of a weird spot. As we talked about when we started this show, I never really thought I was a great fit at first because I wasn't a true free agent. Uh, You basically told me, David, that that didn't matter. I had the right mindsets. (laughs) Um, But now I'm I'm in it. And it's, uh, it's, kind of what I expected, but there's a couple things that I didn't expect. Uh, somebody asked me the other day how I was feeling, and I wrote a short newsletter post about it. Uh, I said, there's basically two emotions, one excited and two terrified. <laughs> um, not terrified because I don't have options or terrified because I don't have the skills to get another position. I could go find a bunch of freelance work tomorrow if that's what I really wanted to do. But as I mentioned at the beginning, I've been working on this faith-based productivity thing. This is something that while I've been working in the productivity space, the faith-based angle to it is not something that I've seen before. So there's always that question in the back of your head is of, is this going to work? And uh, there are no guarantees. And so when, um, when you told me about your change in circumstances... I felt like, as I told you on the phone at the time, uh, I know that that you're passionate about this faith-based productivity thing because you've been talking to me about it the entire time we've been friends. And I know that it's something that's important to you, but I also know it's something that you never really had time to pursue because you you were so busy, you know, with that gig. And um, in my mind, and that's just, just being me, you know, but I feel like this is going to give you wings. You know, it's like suddenly uh, there's a lot of ways you find yourself being a free agent. Sometimes it's because you make all these plans and you have this whole thing. It comes together. And other times you just find yourself suddenly um, that, you know, the gig you had isn't there anymore. And sometimes I think that's the best way to get yourself kickstarted. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, you've given me some great advice. A couple other people have given me great advice. And uh, as I think about the potential outcomes for this, it kind of makes it less uncertain, I guess. In the the newsletter that I I wrote, I basically talked about the the emotion of fear and trying to figure out why was I feeling this way? Was I scared of failing? Because that honestly doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I know that I can create quality stuff. And as we talked about before we hopped on here, I accidentally sold my first copy before it was ready because somebody had found it and decided to purchase it. So yeah. uh, the signs are showing that you know the worst case scenario is not that there, no one will buy it because somebody already has. So what's the other option? Am I afraid of success? I mean, that sounds stupid. Who's scared of being successful? <laughs> That's what people dream about. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the truth is a little more tricky and somewhere in the middle. And the best analogy that I could come up with was being in the arena. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole newsletter, but just kind of distilling my thoughts as I wrote this thing, the arena is the place where you either succeed or fail. And it can be a scary place because there's only two outcomes. You've basically drawn the line in the sand and you're forced to pick sides. So you either believe in your thing or you don't. Uh, This is the point where a lot of people are happy to spectate. They're happy to talk about the thing. And if I'm honest with myself, I look back at the last couple of years. And that's kind of where I was. It's like, well, I've got this idea for faith-based productivity and talking about it is almost enough for <laughs> to a certain degree. Yeah. And then when it's time to finally take action time on to it. to put up or shut up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're getting in the arena. And uh, really the inspiration for that analogy comes from Teddy Roosevelt. One of my favorite quotes is from a speech he gave. He says, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. 
Yeah. And so that's kind of the I point like I'm at. Yeah, it's, me too. Teddy always has a good quote in, in him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, by the way, side, side note, but he's a really interesting story because he started off as uh, a very sick kid and couldn't do anything. And he basically disciplined himself and established habits and, and became a naturalist, uh, uh, a boxer, you know, all these other things that people said, there's no way you're going to be able to, to do that thing. So if you know his story, it makes that quote even more powerful because this is the guy who everybody had written off that he couldn't do this thing. Uh, and really, what I'm recognizing is that this is the the time now. I have to I have to step out and do this thing. And if uh, if nobody, like I said, n- it's not true that nobody's going to buy it because I've already had a couple of people buy it. Uh, but to throw it out there, and if it if it flops, then that's that's not the worst that could, worst thing that can happen. If something fails, you know, you just figure out what you did wrong and you you fix it for next time. Uh, but the fact that there is going to be an outcome associated with this thing now for whatever reason is, is exciting and terrifying. Yeah. It, you know, it is great though, that you're doing it. And I, I have so much confidence in you, Mike. I, I think there's just no question in my mind that this, this change is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. I, uh, I appreciate that. And I, I think that that's, that's true. Um, I want to share with the free agents listeners, because I'm going through this right now, like if you are in a similar situation, again, the free agent forums is, is a great place to share that stuff. Uh, but I really want to encourage people because I have been encouraged by you, David, by multiple other people who have gone out of their way to say, no, man, you've got what it takes. You know, that's how I ended that the newsletter is that you have what it takes, even if it requires everything that you've got. And so uh, if you're in a similar situation, just know that there are other free agents who are pulling for you. Yeah. And, and I remember when we first started this show, I was thinking that, you know, that took a lot of moxie for me to say, okay, now I'm going to make a show about being a free agent. What if I fail miserably? Because at the time we started the show, it, uh, it wasn't clear whether or not I was going to survive the journey or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess right? it, really, it really never is clear. You know, <laughs> I mean, you never know when things will dry up on you. But uh, at the end of the day, I said, you know, it's just worth sharing and talking through this stuff because I think we all struggle with it. And it's really easy to be hard on yourself. I mean, this is something I talk about all the time on all my podcasts, but I think as humans, for some reason, most of us are just wired to be, to have so little faith in ourselves. And, um, that, I mean, I think so often the difference between succeeding at the stuff and not succeeding at the stuff is just to give yourself a little credit and, um, and, you know, be, be a little patient with yourself. Don't expect everything's going to work perfectly the first time, but if you're dedicated and you keep, you know, you keep swinging, it's going to work. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I also, as I reflect on this, this journey that I've, I've had, there've been, there've been a couple different defining moments or tipping points in, in my career where I've had to make a tough decision and you weren't really sure exactly how things were going to work out. So this isn't really the first time that I've felt this way, but looking back, I can also see that those times when I was the most uncomfortable were also the times of greatest growth. They were the transition from one stage to another. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that if you're going through a a difficult time that you're automatically being upgraded. (laughs) Uh, You need to have some some wisdom and figure out maybe the situation that you're in is brought on by some bad choices that you made and you're reaping the, the harvest of some negative habits. But not necessarily. And also the, that transition, that change doesn't happen without the, the pain. Like you have to go through some things in order to get to the, the quote unquote next level, whatever that, that looks like. I would add to this as well, that whenever you find yourself in one of these transitions, whether it's something you've planned or something that just kind of happens to you, be careful about the way you define success as you, as you start whatever you're going to do next. Yeah. I think it's really easy to go into it and try to say, this is what I need to do to be successful. But you're entering the field, a different field that you have not worked, you have not fought in before and you don't really know what success is. Yeah. And I, I think it's really hard to, um, to try and, and give yourself these conditions that of your happiness with whatever you're doing before you even know how it all works. And, and I think 
the the more realistic approach would be to say, I want to do something that I feel is enriching. You know, obviously you want to make enough money to support your life. Um, but, you know, don't go real far beyond that. And, and just let, you know, give yourself the freedom to define what success is as you get deeper down the road. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. A uh, couple, couple things in response to that. I know right after it happened, I talked to you and you, uh, you mentioned, well, let's, let's talk the spreadsheet. You know, how much, <laughs> how much are you looking to, to replace? Because I've got five kids at home. And so that was my first thought was, how am I going to provide for my family? It's maybe a little bit easier if you don't have so many people who are dependent on you. But then the other thing that you just mentioned here is finding something that is meaningful and purposeful for you. That doesn't mean that it's fun. I think we've talked on this podcast before about how I hate the traditional definition of the word passion because people think it's like, oh, I'm just going to find something I love to do and do that, something I'm passionate about, which isn't really what it means at all. It means the word actually means to suffer. So it's things that you're willing to suffer to see come about because you care about them so much. And that's kind of where I am with this faith-based productivity thing is like, this is who I am. So it's something that I have to just get out of me. I can't keep it <laughs> inside. And maybe people will respond positively to it. Maybe they won't. Like that, the outcome almost doesn't matter. It's something that I have to get out into the world just to see if it does have, have those wings. But uh, I like what you said about being able to evolve that definition of success. So if faith-based productivity doesn't it is not a grand slam. You know, it's not a home run. People indicate that they really aren't that interested in it. Being willing to go back to the drawing board and try something else and figure out how to course correct and what the next step is. Uh, if there's one thing I've learned through my free agent journey the last several years, it has been that you don't know where you're going to end up. All you can do is figure out what is the next thing and then the next thing after that, and the next thing after that, and the destination that you end up at might be a lot different than where you thought you were going to be when you started out. Yeah, I mean, one of the best benefits of being a free agent, even a small company that you run, is that it's extremely agile. I mean, you can change your mind about what technology makes sense, or what customer you're looking for, or what type of work you do, and you can implement that in an afternoon. Um, yeah. whereas in a big company, that's like a thing that takes months and months and lots of committees and all this other stuff. Okay. So that's the good news. The bad news is you need that agility to survive because you're a free agent and what's working today isn't necessarily going to work tomorrow. And what you're thinking is going to work tomorrow may not be the thing that actually works. It's always a winding path. So, uh, you know, just as you start on this, be willing to wind a little bit, but, but I do feel like, you know, Mike, you have got such a great launching point. You've put so much work into the stuff that you're passionate about. And you've got this great idea for this product that just doesn't exist out there. Um, I, I'll be shocked if this doesn't really, you know, scratch the itch for you. <laughs> well, it's fun to work on, at least at the, in the moment. It's a good sign. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, Mike, I am, you know, I, like I said, I'm one of your biggest fans and I, I, I have so much faith that this is going to work out talk about faith-based. I have faith in Mike. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that this is going to work out and I'm really looking forward uh, as the show goes forward uh, to talking to you and how things are going and, and where the surprises are. Cause you know, you're in for a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll learn as we go <laughs> and, and we'll learn together. <laughs> and as you make this transition, how's your family been? Have they been supportive? Yeah. Uh, family's been very supportive. Everybody that I've talked to has been very supportive and said that this is bigger than you, this will be bigger than you realize, which is interesting. Uh, as I reflect back on this, this journey, I remember the first time I, I talked to you is you mentioned you got to start building your own thing immediately. Any ideas what that could be? And as I was explaining faith-based productivity, I basically was saying, but I don't know how big this can be. And you cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, you don't even understand. <laughs> so I've had, you know, multiple people do basically the the same thing, which is very encouraging because uh, that's another thing. Maybe it's just me, but I'm guessing it's probably a lot of free agents out there. Is that you tend to think that your abilities are limited, that no one really wants the thing that you are able to create, 
and you don't really know until you get it out there. But uh, I've had several people help me crush that limiting belief. Um, so again, you know, time will tell whether that proves correct or incorrect. But at least for now, it seems like it's it's moving in the the right direction. And a lot of the motivation and the support that I've gotten that's helped me to follow through and 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 work on it has has been from people who are willing to to say, no, man, you got this. All right, we believe in this vision. Uh, as much or more than you do. Yeah. And I, I think the trick going forward, you know, there'll be setbacks, but you just got to just dust yourself up, get up and just keep going. And I think you're really onto something. Yeah. Your setback is the setup for your comeback. Somebody told me once. Yeah. So we've got a, um, next month we are going to do um, a, a show for December, you know, kind of talking about free agent planning going into the new year. Um, so I wanted to uh, just call out this month that I'd like you all to do some homework. Um, as we head into the, the New Year planning show as a free agent next month, um, spend some time in the next month getting some numbers for yourself. Find out where you're making money and find out where you're spending your time. I think those are probably two of the most important things you have to have in front of you as you start planning for the future. And... Um, uh, we're also going to talk about hippie stuff, about what you like doing versus what you don't like doing and all that. But um, if you want to continue in this gig, you, you still do have to make a living. So um, if you've got, if you've been doing time tracking, we've talked about it on the show. Um, if you've got an accountant helping you, if you're doing your own financial management, um, before you listen to next month's show about planning, I want you to spend a little time getting some solid numbers in front of you about how much time are you spending on your free agency where is the money coming in and where is the money not coming in? And I think that'll be a big help for us next month. Cool. Anything else we should be looking at before we do the planning show, Mike, for folks? Hmm. Well, one of the things that I do with the personal retreat stuff, and I think that there's a free agency uh, approach to this as well, is the whole concept of the the wheel of life where you rate your set, current satisfaction with the different areas of your life. And if you go online, you'll find lots of different examples of this. And you can fill out whatever areas you want in this wheel of life. But the basic idea is that you rate them from 1 to 10. And then you focus on the, the lowest ones. So as you're looking at how you are spending your time and where the, the money is coming from, uh, I think it's also valuable to think about what itches those are scratching for you. So uh, there's a lot of people who listen to the show I know who are not a quote unquote free agent, but they like the mindset or they've got some side gig that they do, which maybe is never going to become the main thing. And they're completely okay with that. You know, recognizing that for in my example, the screencast that I do for screencasts online, while I may not ever become an Apple tech blogger or create all these video courses like this Max Sparky guy, uh, that I enjoy doing those things that can that not only provides some income in terms of free agency, but it also scratches the tech itch for me. Yeah. Also give some thought to some big things you'd like to do in 2019, because we're going to yes. talk uh, next month about how are we going to incorporate your big plans for your free agency into the following year. And we also have an exciting announcement about the show next month. And I'm just going to leave it at that. So you're teased. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, before we move on, I want to talk about our next sponsor. And uh, it's actually uh, an appropriate sponsor for that last discussion. And that's our friends over at Timing. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Timing, the app that tracks your time automatically instead of manually. So uh, let's talk about why you should track your time. Uh, for anyone billion hours, this is obvious. You need to track your time to get paid. You got to report that to your clients. But even if you're employed or billing per project, you need to estimate how long specific tasks are going to take. You know, where are you spending your time? Time tracking helps you stay on track of those estimates to make sure you don't end up in the red with your projects. And that can help make you more accurate time estimates in the future. One of the big deals about taking on work is you got to know how long it's going to take. And if you don't have some sort of way to track your time reliably, you just don't know. As humans, we are terrible at estimates or times. It's just, I, I don't know why it is, but it's true. Um, uh, so that's where timing comes in. Uh, instead of making you start and stop timers, timer automatically tracks how much time you spend in each app 
document or website. If you are on Amazon for four hours a day, sadly, it's going to tell you. <laughs> um, uh, it shows you exactly when you are working on what and what you when you slacked off and how productive you've been, so you can know how to improve your productivity. It even has a way to rank, you know, websites and documents and folders in terms of their actual productivity. So if you're spending time in work related folders, you're going to get a higher score than if you're spending time on Twitter. Um, so it's just a great way to, to, to give you immediate feedback about how you're doing. And timing's functionality, it's similar to the screen time in iOS 12, but it's for the Mac. And in a lot of ways, it's even better because it does such a great job of all the reporting. And uh, manual tracking and adjustments are still possible with timing's automated approach if you want to as well. Like when I go away from my Mac and I come back, I can just type into timing where I was doing, and that goes into my data. And it's got this great new gorgeous dark mode that looks great. So if you like dark mode with the uh, Mac OS Mojave, you're going to be fine with timing. So, um, but you know, your work doesn't just happen at your Macs. And that's why timing does automatically make suggestions for filling gaps. And with the automatic sync feature, your track time will magically appear across all of your Macs. So if you've got a laptop, you, uh, you're going to see it go right across. Um, when you work on the go with your MacBook, you get the full picture uh, on your iMac once you get home. Uh, I think this stuff is great. I've been using timing. It's the way I find work that I can offload to people because I start to see, hey, wait a second, I spent a bunch of time doing this task that really isn't something that I need to do. And when I see the time, it's great. It's also interesting to me to find things that I think I'm spending too much time on. Like I always had this idea in my head, I was spending too much time planning and OmniFocus. And then when I look at the actual reports, it's actually not much time at all, and it's so helpful. It's like a great bang for my buck. And I felt even better about doing it because I realized that I wasn't spending nearly as much time in that planning as I was spending doing. And uh, that's one of the advantages of having timing. So uh, they're so confident that you'll love the fuss-free approach. They offer a totally free trial. Download the 14-day trial today by going to timingapp.com slash free agents. And make sure you go to free agents. That gets you 10% off. And I recommend everybody just download it for the, at least the 14-day trial because then you're going to have data to talk about next month when we talk about planning your next year. So even if you don't buy it, Use it for 14 days and see how easy it is. So stop guessing how you spend your time and instead focus on doing what you're good at. And thank you, Timing, for all of your support of the show. Once again, that website is timingapp.com slash free agents for 10% off. We had some good feedback this month, Mike. We did. Uh, I picked a couple of them here, but there were quite a few that probably could have made the, the list here. We might have to do a, a feedback show at some point. Uh, the Legend of Leo, though, I wanted to talk about this situation. I thought this was interesting says, I'm 22 years old. I'm a free agent straight out of university working as a freelance musician where I transcribe music and turn it into sheet music, which allows me to travel, work as much as I like, and unlike most music jobs, has a far more free agents kind of setup in that it involves being at a computer at home for the bulk of it. I love this job and the lifestyle that goes with it, but even at my maximum capacity, it only covers about 80% of the amount I need to bring in every month. What I want is to pick up some kind of work that is similar in nature, home-based, relatively casual hours-wise, but also doesn't compromise how I currently live with too many commitments. I don't want to get rid of everything I've worked for over the last year just because it's falling slightly short. And curious if anyone has experienced something similar. Thanks, everyone. I love the show. Any advice for The Legend of Leo? Well, I mean, he clearly has a, a marketable skill with music. So I, if I was in Leo's shoes, I would start looking for... Uh, music gigs. There's a lot of people working from home in the music business these days. Yeah, somebody in the the thread, and I'm having trouble finding it right now, but I thought this was interesting. They recommended that since you work in the the music industry and you're familiar with the the tools, something like podcast editing might be uh, a a a, a, a skill that's in demand. And I know for a couple of the podcasts that I've done in the past, I've had to go through that process of finding an editor for them. And uh, it can be it can be difficult to find someone who you're confident that they know enough about the programs to make you sound good. <laughs> uh, but that's a, a big time commitment too, is editing those things. So again, there's there's some details that are missing here uh, in terms of how much you, you make, and that's going to influence whether podcast editing might be worth it for you. But I thought it was an interesting option. 
I think one of the things to take away from this is when you've got an existing free agent business and you've got existing clients, you're just not making quite enough yet. I would spend a lot of time looking at my existing clients' workflows. You know, what are they doing? Like he's doing a music transcription business. Does, do they need to do layout? I mean, is there, is there another piece of their workflow that he could pick up where he's getting more business out of the existing customers? Because those are the easiest ones to get. They already know you're great. They already work with you. They're already used to writing you checks. So I would take a good look at your existing clients to see if you can somehow increase volume with them or find some other piece of what they're doing that you can bring into your business. And this doesn't just apply to music. Any 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 service business you're doing, a lot of times you can find additional work you can pick up from your existing clients. Yep, that's, that's great advice. Uh, one other thing I'll throw out there because I've not done this, but I've, I know several people who have done this, is that when they have something like this that is the majority of what they need, but they still need something to fill in the, the gaps, uh, a part-time job with a company that is unrelated can help you get to the point more quickly where this does grow into the thing that is the only thing that you do. So somebody, I think it was Bowline, mentioned... Um, like a, like a barista job, for example, because I know companies like Starbucks, for example, will, will give you full benefits if you work part-time uh, okay, sometimes. So if you're able to get that sort of gig, not only do you not have to, to work that much uh, to fill in the, the gaps, but also maybe you have to work less than you even would have if you did something else because now you're not having to set aside money for some of the, the, the benefits that you would have to uh, with the independent worker tax um, or UPS is another one where I know that like they have seasonal help, they get busy. And again, they're a company that it's, it's kind of a demanding physical job, but I know people who have worked there because they can do it part-time and it's going to give them the benefits. And then they're able to devote the majority of their mental resources towards getting their thing off the ground. Yeah. I have a friend who's a musician who wanted to get into the video game scoring business and he did just that. He was a barista for several years and got the benefits. Uh, the advantage for him, as he told me, was it's a brain dead job. He doesn't have to think about anything. Uh, so he doesn't use any mental energy, <laughs> gets his benefits and a few bucks. But then eventually the the video game thing turned into a busy enough gig that he was able to to step away from that. Yeah. I say, I'll, I'll read this one. Sidejoy wrote in and says, I'm looking into creating a course and webinars and using some type of CRM-like system. I'd love to hear what other people are using and why. Uh, building a course, I've been looking at Teachable, think, uh, Thinkific, Kajabi. I, I am familiar with that one. To create my own courses and sell them on my site. I've also thought about testing courses first on Skillshare before putting them on my own site. I know David sells his uh, standalone assets. I'd love to hear why. What does Asian Efficiency use for their courses and webinars? Uh, they've been looking at Crowdust, Webinar Jam, GoToWebinar, and Zoom. And for CRM, they've been looking at true CRMs like Pipeline, Capsule, Infusion, and several others. And uh, just looking for you know what the best email marketing solutions are. It's a lot of questions, actually. It is. The uh, reason I picked this one is that I just answered all these questions myself when I put together Faith-Based Productivity. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because you're doing it now with your, your product. So, yeah. so where'd, where'd you go? Well, for the course itself, I looked at a lot of different things and even purchased a MemberPress plugin for WordPress, because I've done sure. WordPress development in the past, and I'm like, I can figure this out. Nope, couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. At least not, and not, it wasn't easy enough for me to figure out where I felt confident that I could get this thing out there uh, in a timely fashion. So I started looking into Teachable because I know you had used that, David, for some of the the uh, uh, OmniFocus and uh, shortcuts guides that, that I, yeah, it's you give me access it's to. It's the whole back end to learn Max Sparky is, is Teachable. Yeah, and I was really impressed with the look of your courses. And so I thought Teachable is probably going to be one of those things that's easy to use, but it's going to be limited in its functionality. Maybe I'll have trouble connecting it to my domain, setting up the affiliate program, whatever. But I've been blown away with how nice Teachable is. And I can't recommend it enough, honestly. Uh, Asian Efficiency used another WordPress plugin for their stuff. 
uh, when I was working there. I think it was a uh, Learn Dash, and there's lots of different options. You know, the, the plugin itself really doesn't doesn't make the the product. You still have to create the things, but uh, Teachable is just so simple. You create the lessons, you create the individual topics, and you say, "I want a video, I want text, whatever." You just upload it, and it's it's good to go. And it handles all of the payments, handles all of the crazy European taxes that I don't understand. You know, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It handles all the payouts for the affiliate stuff. It handles all the refunds if people were to re- request a, a refund. So I, I think for somebody who's just looking at getting into this, Teachable would be great. And yeah. also I want to advise, I don't want to say maybe advise against, but I would say approach Skillshare with caution. Skillshare is is great. I love Skillshare. I know some people who create Skillshare courses and some of them are top notch. The problem with Skillshare, in my opinion, is that you are developing these courses for Skillshare. They own them. Uh, And I haven't gone through all of the terms, but that's just my initial thought since it's on their service, their domain. They are the ones who are are selling it and they're paying you based on how many many people enroll in your course, that sort of thing. Kind of like the the blogging uh, thing where you want to own your stuff, I would say definitely you want to own your own courses. Yeah. I mean, I was one of the things I did that was smart was I was very public when I said I'm switching to video off of the traditional iBook stuff I was doing. And I had lots of good advice from people. And I was seriously looking at setting up my own, um, you know, WordPress install of something. And in fact, Rose uh, Orchard was going to help me out with it. And we were looking at things. We had a couple mock ups and then had so many people writing me to tell me that I should just use Teachable. And I went up and set up a test account and I quickly realized, you know what, this is what I need because it's kind of like the Squarespace of video release. You know, that it's like you do have limited options. You don't have complete control like you would with your own WordPress, but the, everything's just handled for you. And um, I don't want to have to employ a full-time developer to keep my site running. And I feel like with WordPress, that's a very possible you know thing where there's some kind of update or something where things will just stop working. And um, so Teachable, I've been quite happy with, and for all the reasons Mike explained. And it does look nice, so that's good. It does, and it's incredibly easy to use. It's it's mobile-friendly, and Teachable is definitely the, the place I would start with building the course. Now, for webinars, I'm not sure if you have any experience with some of these programs, David, but I've used Webinar Jam, GoToWebinar, and Zoom in the past. And for the traditional webinar, like you want to present to hundreds of people, I think GoToWebinar is too expensive. I think Webinar Jam is decent, but if you can get away with using Zoom, Zoom is definitely the best and easiest to use option. I agree. Uh, I know Tim Stringer uses Zoom for his Learn OmniFocus uh, webinars, which I was I was a guest at one point, and I loved it. Uh, there were I forget maybe twenty thirty people there, but you have the video and you can mute it while you're doing the presentation, and then you can unmute it so you can interact with people. If I were going to do a webinar for faith-based productivity, Zoom is the tool that I would I would look to use first. Yeah. And then for CRM, I, for the longest time, used MailChimp. Um, as I kind of built out the Sparky course, I switched over to ConvertKit, which um, is much more powerful. You know, it's more expensive, but it gives me a lot more um, ability. Like, uh, I, I really like the ability to send the people that purchase courses a little email a few days afterwards saying, hey, thanks for buying it. And you know, here's some other stuff you may be interested in, or just saying, you know, if you need, you know, let me know how it's going. And um, I don't go super nerdy on, you know, the, you know, the email marketing, because I just don't think that's really appropriate. But I do a little bit of it. And ConvertKit makes that really easy. ConvertKit is awesome. I, again, I can't recommend ConvertKit enough. First of all, ConvertKit integrates with Teachable, so you can kick off a sequence in ConvertKit when somebody buys your product in Teachable, yeah, which is pretty great. And then ConvertKit is just so easy to use, and it still gives you a lot of powerful features. So in my opinion, like MailChimp, for the personal one, it's, I think, 10 bucks a month or something. So it's pretty pretty inexpensive. But whenever you want to start doing a little bit more with it, it can add up pretty quick. ConvertKit is just the the one option as far as i far as i know but they're they give you everything that you need i saw the owner of convertkit nathan berry uh speak one time at the sean west conference and just liked him immediately he's a really sharp guy and 
the goal of ConvertKit is something like helping creators make a living. And so that comes through in the design of the product, in my opinion, where you go in there and it's just, you don't have to figure out a whole bunch of things or a whole bunch of features, which are really weird and tied together in, in crazy ways. It's pretty straightforward and you can tell that they understand this stuff. So uh, I, I will use ConvertKit uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and it's like one of the nice things is it tags, it'll apply tags when people buy or download things. So like I have inside ConvertKit a tag list of everyone who bought the Siri shortcut field guide. So I'm in the midst of preparing an update for it and I'm going to send out an email to the people who already bought it saying, thanks for buying it and you can go download the free update and here's what I changed. And so, you know, just like allowing you to address portions of your audience that way is just ridiculously easy with ConvertKit. Yeah, so I guess we're both in agreement on that one, too. Yep. All right, so some great feedback. If you want to join the conversation, please do so at talk.macpowerusers.com. Let us know what you're going to add to your morning routine, and don't forget to do your homework for next time. We'll have a guest in a couple weeks, but the the show after that, we're going to be talking about planning for 2019. Awesome. Uh, Thanks to our sponsors for this episode, FreshBooks and Timing. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Bobblehead Joe. You are at Max Sparky, correct? That's right. All right. The show is at Free Agents FM. You can find the show on the web at relay.fm slash free agents. And we will talk to you all in a couple of weeks. 